and amen. All right, we're just going to get right back uh, into the preached word of God. That's where we want to be at tonight, amen. And if you have the word of God, if you turn to the book of 2 Kings, uh, chapter number 13, 2 Kings, chapter number 13, uh, this message has been on my heart for quite some time, and uh, the Lord knew who is going to be here. He knows what we stand in need of uh, here tonight, amen. So I appreciate, appreciate what I feel in my heart, amen. And amen. Second Kings chapter number 13. We'll start reading in verse number 14. Second Kings chapter 13, starting in verse number 14. The Bible says, Now Elijah was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elijah said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon thy bow. And he put his hand upon him. And Elijah put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, uh, from thou shalt smite the Syrians of Apic till thou come to consume them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. And Elijah died and they buried him and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land of the coming of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man that behold they spied a band of men and they cast a man in the sepulcher of Elijah. And when the man was let down he touched the bones of Elijah. He revived and stood up on his feet. God, we love you. We do thank you for the reading of thy word. God, I appreciate what I feel in my heart and in my soul tonight. God, I appreciate, Lord, the great songs that's been sung. It's been such a blessing to already be here tonight to minister to our hearts. And God, I do thank you tonight, Lord, for this privilege to stand behind this sacred desk. God, I know that I'm nothing without you. I need a special touch. God, I need... A special anointing tonight. Give me the unction of the Holy One. God, I pray tonight you'd hide me behind the cross. Everything that's said or done would be an uplift to glorify thy precious and holy name. Help me not to say anything contrary to thy word and thy will. And God, tonight I pray tonight once again you touch this church. I pray for this dear pastor tonight. Bless him tonight. And God, I pray for each one that made their way out. God, I pray tonight if there's one lost or one that's backslidden here in a miss, touch them, draw them to an old-fashioned altar. Again, I pray, God, your name to be glorified. The name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. All God's people said, Amen. amen and amen. Your baby seated tonight. Thank you so much for standing in honor of reading of God's word. There's no doubt we need revival in the churches. Amen. I believe if we was to ask everybody here tonight, we would have the understanding of that we truly need revival in our hearts and in our soul tonight. I realize it's been a difficult year, 2020. It's not been my favorite year. I, I promise you that. I know everybody is really sick of this year and ready to get on to the next year. 
here. I know uh, we're ready for a healing. We're ready just to uh, get on with our daily lives and just uh, get things back to normal just a little bit. Uh, but here tonight, I want to preach a simple thought uh, by the help of the Lord. Now, you pray for me. I want to preach a simple thought. What's bothering the man of God? What's bothering uh, the man of God? Here we read about this man of God named Elijah. There's no doubt uh, that he truly was a man of God. We know, of course, that he had that double portion that he wanted uh, from Elijah. We can look and understand in Scripture that he had many miracles. I mean, uh, brother, he'd done so many things for the glory of God. Uh, God's hand was upon this man of God. Uh, but as we read these few verses, there's something that really uh, pops out into our mind. In verse uh, number 19, it says, that the man of God uh, was wroth. There you see that. I mean, I'm telling you this, I begin thinking about the pastors that's here tonight. I'm not sure how many preachers we've got, how many pastors. I know that there's a few, but I'm telling you this, a lot of times we look at the preacher and the pastor and they have to put on the smile. They have to put on their Sunday best. They have to act like everything is going all right, even though there's something personal in their life, even though they're having troubles and difficulties and trials on their own here tonight. So there you look, and I just want to preach this thought by the help of the Lord. Boy, what's bothering the man of God? Let me just encourage you tonight. As we read this scripture, I believe it will be real easy to criticize Elijah. How we look and listen, he told this, listen, this king to come and take his bow and point the arrows towards the wind and shoot. And then he told him to take the arrows and shoot them into the ground. Then the next verse says, the man of God was wroth. The man of God was mad when I first read this I said what in the world is he so mad about what's going on in this scripture that I've missed do you realize a lot of times we'll say the exact same thing about the pastor whenever they have a problem or burn their life and they'll say man I don't understand what's going on he's blown this way out of proportion surely he's not as mad as he said that he is and I'm telling you this listen I believe tonight there's things that go on in a pastor's life and that you have no idea about. He carries a burden that you'll never really understand unless you're pastoring tonight. But I began thinking about how important the man of God is. Here we look and it was a symbol. Amen. Do you realize the man of God is important in the house of the Lord tonight? The man of God is important wherever you're at tonight, whatever you're thinking. I believe a lot of times we underestimate the importance of the man of God. First of all, we look at the scripture and we look at verse number 14. I'm just going to get to preaching just for a minute or two. I like preaching, glory to God. I like preaching hard as well. So you might get tired of me. Some of you look and say, preacher, how hard do you preach? Let me just say this, as long as the glory of God and as long as the spirit of God's moving, boy, we can stand and preach the word of God. But without him, we're absolutely nothing tonight. We need God's touch. We need God's anointing. We need God moving here in the service. Do you realize we're not going to have revival? I'm not going to give you revival unless you want revival and unless God shows up. Amen. So there we see what we need the man of God. First of all, look at the dedication of this man of God. Verse number 14 says this. Now Elijah was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, oh my 
my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And we know the story as Elijah said unto him, take the bow and take the arrows. Let me just say and remind you where Elijah was at. Elijah was on his deathbed. Elijah was a man who was sick in body at the time. Elijah was a man, I believe he was older in age as you look and understand. Elijah probably didn't feel good. Elijah probably had the burdens upon him. I believe he had stress upon him. I believe he knew that death was close to him. But yet, let me say this, I'm glad tonight you can look and understand in the scripture that Elijah had some dedication because when somebody come his way and somebody needed some help and somebody needed some advice, boy, the man of God was available tonight. Let me just say, thank God. I'm glad that there's some men of God that still dedicated and preaching the word of God and pastoring to the people of God. There's still some men of God that loves the people in the house of God. I began thinking about this. I preached yesterday morning. I preached a simple thought. And man, God really stirred my heart. And you're thinking about there in Ezekiel chapter number three. And this man of God was called. And he had a vision from the Lord. And God gave him this vision. And then you look in chapter number three. And whenever God called him and said, I want you to go to my people. He said, they're a rebellious people. They're probably not going to listen to you. But I like what he said. And they said this. said, they're going to know that a prophet of God was there. Let me say, thank God I realize here tonight it's difficult times. I realize it's troubling times. But I swear I'm glad to still some men of God that's dedicated to serving the Lord and preaching the word of God and doing the work of God tonight. I want to encourage you tonight. Boy, you better remember the men of God. He's dedicated. But let me say this, not only that, in verse number 16 you look and listen, the man of God holds something dear to his heart and it says, and he said to the king of Israel, put thy hand upon the boat and he put his hand upon it and Elijah put his hand upon the king's hand. Boy, I got the good feeling of the Holy Ghost when I read that and broke it down just a little bit. Here was this king. I believe he was a young man. I believe he had strong hands. I believe this man was a man that knew how to shoot a bow and knew how to shoot arrows and knew a thing or two about war. But here he comes to Elijah. Here he comes to this man of God. And let me just remind you that he's a man of God and not a man of war. He might have shot a bow a time or two in his life. But there you look and this man of God, he told the king to put his hands out upon the boat. And when he put his hands upon the boat, a preacher, that man of God took his hand and put it right there on the bow upon him. You say, preacher, what does that mean? I'll tell you this, I'm glad. And then that soul that was there, it was dear to him. It was precious to him. Let me just say this, a lot of times we'll look and just say, well, he's the pastor of the church. He's just getting a paycheck. He's just preaching a time or two. Boy, it's more than that. And there's people in my church that's here tonight. I certainly appreciate them coming. But man, they're dear to my heart. I listen, they owe something. I value in my heart tonight. I love them and appreciate 
say then I didn't realize how much I would whenever I first took the church uh, 10 years ago I didn't realize how much uh, boy I'd fall in love with them and listen uh, they go through troubles and trials in their life I break down as well I see them suffering I see them hurting I'm hurting as well let me say your man of God uh, your pastor here is the exact same way I can guarantee you this tonight uh, boy when you're mourning and uh, when you have troubles in your life and when you have the tears in your life it breaks this man of God's heart it breaks that man of God's heart and this preacher in front of us I'm still glad that there's some preachers that boy is still dear and precious of the saints of God and they love them and have compassion for them and they absolutely care for them tonight do you realize this preacher cares more about you than some of your family amen you're going to look and shake your head and say, I don't know, I promise you, he does, amen. Boy, it's amazing just how much a man of God cares. I began thinking about this, a man of God, we look in this verse and we see his dedication. We understand how dear the, how this person was to him. But not only that, we see this, how boy, it was divine, amen. I'm just going to anchor down and preach just for a minute or two to your pastors that's here. I don't know why God put this on my heart, but man, I want to encourage you just for a moment or two. Notice what it says in verse number 16 again. And he said to the king of Israel, put thy hand upon thy bow and he put his hand upon it and Elijah put his hand upon the king's hand. What did that represent? This was a man of God. This was a prophet. This was a man of God here tonight. You say, preacher, what does that mean? It represented the presence of God. It represented the power of God here tonight. I want to tell you this. I believe with everything that's in me. But when we get up and preach the word of God, we realize that we're just flesh. We're just human tonight. But I I'm glad, listen, we preach about a one that can have the divine touch. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I'm telling you, sometimes it gets hard to get in the pulpit. Sometimes it gets difficult to get up and preach the word of God. But I'm going to tell you this. Do you realize faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Do you realize when we get up and preach the word of God, it does something to the hearts of saints. It'll encourage them. It'll bring comfort to them. It'll embolden them to have and the power that's beyond them. It'll make them reach up and realize, oh boy, there's something special about following and seeking God. Let me just say, thank God I'm glad and that there's still some men of God and that still preach with boldness and that still encourage us and still helps us and still holds us and still encourages us to be where we need to be tonight. Thank God I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Every time that you get up behind the pulpit, how many times preacher you got up and said I'm not making a difference I'm not helping anybody whatsoever boy they're not listening to what I'm saying but then that old saint in the back of the church I will stand up and say pastor let me tell you that message that you preach it helped me it encouraged me I was going through that difficult time and it was like the grace of God and the comfort of the Lord I come down and put his hand
hands around me tonight. Boy, don't you ever think that you ain't making a difference behind the pulpit tonight because people's lives is being touched. People's lives is being changed. People can see and understand tonight that there's something beyond them and that God's power and God's presence could be with them in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the battles, in the midst of the circumstances of their life. How important is a man of God tonight? What we see tonight, we see his dedication. We see how dear he is. We see a divine touch, amen. But not only that, we see the direction. And notice what it says in verse number 17. And he said, open thy window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot, and he shot, and he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. I thank God I'm glad for that here tonight. Let me say this, what was he? A boy is shooting towards Syria tonight. You say, preacher, what does that mean? I'm glad that this man of God, I was pointing him in the right direction. I'm glad of that here tonight. How that there was a man of God. I listened to Pastor Tommy Hitchley. My pastor, he's going on to be with the Lord. But I sure am glad and he got up and he preached the word of God and he helped me and led me and brother I knew I, I know I wouldn't be where I'm at tonight unless there was a man of God that helped direct my path that helped me brother to see where I needed to be tonight I'm glad listen Elijah said oh boy you've got to point your arrow you've got to open up the window eastward because there's an enemy out there I'm telling you this thank God I'm glad here tonight that listen we're here in this man of God how when he stands up and preaches, he's pointing you in the right, in the right direction to help you how to have victory in your life, how to help you to be successful in your Christian walk of life. I know that I can't do it on my own tonight. I realize it's not in my ability tonight, but thank God I'm glad how we get up and preach the word of God. It helps us to realize where we need to be, how the direction we need to go, because God wants us to grow. God God wants us to mature. God wants us to be closer to him than we've ever been before. Man, what a feeling it was when I gave my heart and my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He did a miracle in my life. But thank God that wasn't all. Brother, he wanted me to grow and mature in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize why? And that man of God's here to preach the word of God to help you to grow and help you to understand how you can be closer to the Lord and have more power in your prayer life and you can have the presence of God moving in a strong and mighty way and point you in the right direction here tonight. Let me say this, not only that, I'm glad for the direction of the man of God, but I'm glad for the deliverance of the man of God. And he said, open the window eastward and he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot, and he shot, and he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And listen, he knew that the enemy was there. He knew where they was going to transpire. But there, let me say this. He said, I want to give you and equip you to help you to be delivered here tonight. Let me just say, thank God, I'm glad. Boy, we realize that God's still choosing. Boy, the preacher's here tonight to preach the word of God. And souls, I know, listen, can still be saved. They can still 
will be saved through the preached word of God tonight. Do you realize the importance of the man of God when he stands up and breaks his bread of life? Brother, he's drawing souls. I believe tonight that he's trying to tell somebody that they need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into their hearts so they can be delivered from the bonds and delivered from the troubles and the trials and delivered from this world. That's what my God can do. And I'm glad that there's a man of God and they're still bold enough to tell you you need to be delivered from the very sin in your life tonight. Amen. Let me say this. In this you look and you see, boy, the defense of the man of God. Won't you notice something real quick in verse number 20. The Bible says that Elijah died and they buried him. But I want you to notice what took place next. And it says, And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. So there you understand that this man of God was on his deathbed. This man of God was sick. This man of God was his old age. And the Bible says this, then the man of God died and then the Moabites invaded the land. You say, preacher, what does that mean? Do you realize I believe the Moabites is a picture of sin? I believe that tonight. You say, preacher, you've lost your mind. I know because we realize he come from incest tonight. We realize Lot and his daughter. But anyway, let me say this, I believe tonight do you realize that this man of God that gets up and preaches a week in and week out, Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night he gets up and preaches do you realize this man of God boy he's a defense in your life you say preacher you've lost your mind I believe tonight, listen he's standing on the front lines he's standing in battle a week in and week out, he's a defense when it comes to your daughter and her purity, somebody better say Amen, right there. How they get up and preach. How they get up and warn. He's a defense to your a son or your a sibling that's got that needle to his arm. How that's getting ready to push it in. How boy, he's a defense and on the he's on the front line tonight. I'm telling you this as soon as the man of God died. How boy, listen, had they come and they invaded his land. You better appreciate the man of God and the still preaches and the word of God still preaches how it's supposed to to be tonight and still warns about sin and lets you know you can be delivered. I'm telling you this, I don't want I'm that prosperity preaching. I want whenever my lost family member comes and sit on the church pew, I'm an old red-faced man of God. I'm still preaching the word of God. I'm still letting them know that they need salvation in their life. I'm glad that this man of God is still in defense and he's on the front line of protecting your very family here tonight. Amen. Boy, let me encourage you tonight. Don't ever underestimate the importance of your pastor tonight. I believe so many times they'll look and say, well, we'll just get another one. We'll just go down the road and we'll... We'll find, and let me say this, boy, you're just one pastor away from being a liberal church that's letting all the contemporary things into the house of God. But I swear I'm glad that there's still men of God and that's still standing in the front lines a week in and week out to defend your very life here tonight. What a blessing. There we see the symbolicness of it. We see this, not only that, we see the significance of it. There do you realize this man of God, why was he wrath? What's, what's bothering the man of God? Let me say first of all, because I believe he knew what was at stake. Amen. 
He, he knew what was at stake here tonight. Do you realize he loved his country? Somebody better say amen right there. I listen, he loved his country. And when the king of Israel came, I believe Elijah had a deep love for the country that he lived in. I believe he had a deep love for the country that we're talking about here tonight. Do you realize, boy, we've got a lot at stake tonight in the very country that we're living in. Do you realize the ungodliness that's surrounding us, that's creeping its way in our neighborhoods, into our school systems, into our families tonight? Let me just encourage you tonight. Boy, there's a lot at stake right here, right now. And listen, as I preach this, some of you rolling your eyes a little bit, scratching your head a little bit, saying, surely, preacher, you ain't gonna get on this. I'm gonna tell you, boy, I want my kids to grow up in a country that still is thankful for the country they live in and that's still standing for the flag and that still understands it's one nation under God here today. I want our kids to grow up in a society and that still loves God and we realize we was built upon the Lord tonight. We was built upon God tonight. I'm telling you, our country is at stake. You say, preacher, what can we do? And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, I shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. It says, then I will hear from heaven. I'm telling you this, glory to God. It's time for the saints of God to realize this man of God has a burden upon his heart because he sees the nation that we're living in falling down tonight. And they listen, and they're saying that it's all right to go and abort a baby and nine months into the term, even lay it out on the table and decide if they want to keep that baby or not. I'm telling you, that's ungodliness and that's wickedness. And brother, you better wake up and realize our country is under attack against the enemy tonight. And Elijah looked and he said, I realize that there's a far country in Syria and that wants to invade and it wants to take everything and that you got tonight. Listen, it's important we understand there's a lot at stake in this country tonight. Boy, wickedness, ungodliness, filthiness all around us. Brother, it's sickening, Pastor, it's sickening to look and understand what's transpiring right in front of us. Do you realize we're living in a society that's calling good evil and evil good? Do you realize we're there in 2 Timothy 3? It says perilous times should come. Unthankful, unholy. It even says this in verse number 6. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Our brother, we're there. And we need to understand if the church don't stand up and the church don't take things serious and this man of God gets up and preaches day in and day out. It's important and there's a lot at stake here tonight. Let me say their country was at stake. But not only that, boy, there's conversions at stake. What's bothering the man of God? Well, Joash wasn't known for living a godly life. Amen. He wasn't known for serving God. But there do you realize eternity was at stake? Do you realize eternity was at stake? Let me, let me just say this. When we get so caught up in the little things... We get so caught up in the finances. We get so caught up in the, the, the things that's going on in the church, the programs in the church, and yet 
Listen, there's souls in the balance right now. Proverbs says him that winneth souls is wise. Amen. Do, do, do you realize the importance of winning souls tonight? It, it, seems like, it, it seems like tonight we've got everything else on our mind except what we're called and supposed to do. Winning souls. Do you realize why the man of God takes things so serious? Because he realized, boy, there's souls that come in on Sunday morning that's lost and headed out to a place called hell. Listen, there's more at stake here tonight than what you think. When it comes to somebody's salvation and somebody's eternity, boy, it's a serious thing tonight. Let, let me just say this. I believe the men of God's bothered, amen, because the conversions tonight, because there's so lack of conversions. It, it seems like everybody's got their mind on everything else besides serving God. Amen. I'm glad tonight to know that I'm saved by God's amazing grace. I swear I'm glad to tell you was a man of God that was concerned about my salvation. Concerned enough to stand up and preach the word of God. He wasn't doing it for the ties or wasn't doing it for the pads on his back. But preaching the word of God because he was concerned about my salvation. Man preacher, they'd say, why don't you just preach a little better, a little nicer, a little, just calm it down just a little. Let me say this, boy, I want the Holy Ghost moving in the, in the services and the preaching. There, let me say this, there's a lot at stake. First of all, we see the country at stake. And all of that, we see the conversion at stake. But do you realize, listen, what's at stake is complete victory here tonight. Complete victory tonight. Notice what it says in verse number 19. And it says, And the man of God was wrath with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then thou hast smitten Syria. And it says, And thou hast consumed it. There he's saying, You have the opportunity to have complete victory over the enemy. I mean, absolute, complete victory over the enemy tonight. Do, do you realize, listen, the pastor gets phone calls and he sees people's lives and people's marriages and he sees their families falling apart and he sees all the trouble and turmoil that's going on in their lives and he's saying, listen, you can have that complete victory here tonight. I want that in my life. I want my congregation to have that in their life tonight. Boy, there's a lot at stake tonight. Let me say, first of all, he's, why is that man, what's wrong with the man of God? What's bothering the man of God? First of all, because there's a lot at stake. But second of all, because he stopped. Amen? Amen right there. Notice what it says one more time. Verse number 19, it says, The man of God was wroth and said, Thou should have smitten five or six times. Thou have smitten Syria and all that's consumed it. Whereas thou now smite Syria but thrice. So there he said, the man, Listen, you should, have smit, you should not have quit hitting the ground. Why in the world did you stop here tonight? I begin thinking about this. What's bothering the man of God because they stopped. Let, let me just say this. I was thinking about this and praying and seeking the Lord. I said, God, you've got to, I, I, I really don't understand this scripture. I'm real slow, amen. And there's some highly educated people that's here tonight and I'm not one of them. You can probably tell by my voice. I'm not that highly educated. But let me say this. I began thinking, why in the world? Why in the world was he so mad? Do you realize he was mad? Because this was the king's opportunity to have some zeal in his life. This was the, 
a time for the king tonight. Hey, listen, but he fell flat. Amen, right there. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I believe it bothers the man of God. And whenever people just fall flat, and when they have no zeal, and when they have no fire, and brother, whenever they're just half in this thing, somebody better say amen right there. Because I'm telling you this, all through the congregations, you see people, some of them's on fire, some of them's there on Wednesday night, some of them's raising their hands and excited about being in God's house. But here's his chance to have complete victory over his life, and yet he falls flat here tonight. Let me just say this. I love fishing, amen. And I was thinking about this. Well, if somebody offered me a lure, that if they said, man, if you put this lure on every time that you go out, you're going to catch a couple of five or six pounders. I mean, brother, you're going to win any tournament you get in. How you going to go and you're going to catch, I mean, so many fish that you have. I'd say, man, surely to goodness, I want that in my life because it's going to bring some victories in my boat. Glory to God right there. Oh, boy, I'd be on fire and I'd have that zeal. But the man of God would get up and tell you about how to have victory in your life tonight and that you can have victory in your life tonight. But a lot of us is falling down flat. He'll say, why don't you come around the altar and pray and you'll have victory. And we'll sit there with our hands in our pocket twirling our thumbs for a little while. Boy, we want revival. We want to be filled with the goodness of God. We want victory in our life. I'm telling you, the man of God is preaching the word of God and telling you time in and time out how you can have complete victory but yet we're not giving our best yet we're falling down flat we're falling up short at church it's time we realize that the man of God is burdened and the man of God is bothered because he's putting his whole life he's putting his whole effort into each message that he preached each time he stands behind the pulpit and people's falling flat here tonight boy it bothers me God to put a message on my heart that I know is for our church that, that, that I, I mean, brother, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. I'll go, I listen, I'll go to bed and I'll wake up in the morning excited and say, man, this is going to change some people's lives because I know God's given it to me and I'm going to try to give it to the congregation as best that I can and I'll preach red in the face. I'll preach with everything that I've got. I'll give everything that I have into it. I'll pray and I'll seek God. I'll say, listen, this is how you can have that victory that you're going through right now and they fall flat and they don't pay any attention here now. What's bothering the man of God? Amen. You might be swallowing tires leaving. I don't know. Let me say this half-heartedness. Just falling flat tonight. Do you realize whenever Elijah, whenever he fought, he fought Elijah he wanted that double portion in his life. Amen. Boy, he went to Bethel. He went to Jericho. He went to Jordan. Anywhere that Elijah went, he went. Why did he do that? Because he wanted it bad in his life. Boy, he looked and said, Elijah, I realize that you're the man of God. I realize what you've got is going to bring victory in my life. And I desperately want it tonight. Let me say this glory. You can have revival tonight if you want it. You can have revival tonight if you want it. 
on it tonight. But if you're going to sit there and you're just going to come every now and then, you've not been excited, you've not been looking forward to it, you're just coming to fill your seat, boy, you're not going to get it. It's going to be a flat revival for you, but God can give you something that can change your life tonight. God can give you something that can bring complete victory to where you're at if you'll just obey the Lord and get your heart back in it tonight. Let me say this. Boy, he was, he was bothered. This king that needed victory for his country, needed victory for his life, needed victory where he was at. Well, I believe this. I believe Elijah was expecting him to take out them arrows. And some say he hit the ground and some say he shot the ground. I don't know. But if he is hitting the ground, I believe he should have been enthused whenever he was doing it. I mean, enthusiastic, excited about because he realized God was going to give him that victory tonight. He should have had some excitement, some zeal in his life. I began thinking about this. Not only is it falling flat, but this, this come to my mind. I wonder if he didn't have the faith. I, 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 wonder, if, I wonder if he fell flat because he didn't have the faith. Do you realize we do that a lot of times in our life? I mean, a man of God to get up and he'll preach and he'll, he'll tell you what you need to do and how to have that victory in your life. And you'll look and listen. You'll say, well, that might work for some people. I know that God did it for other people, but yet I don't have that faith. And so that's why I'm not enthused about what's going on. I believe tonight so many times our faith has fallen short. Let me tell you this. Let me give you just a little side note. You want to please God? You better have faith tonight. The Bible tells us it's impossible to please God without faith tonight. So there we understand it's going to take that faith to please the Lord. But I began thinking about this. Why in the world do we not have the faith in the Lord? I mean, God moved in mighty ways all through the Word of God. You're here tonight. You're saved by God's grace. Do you realize what the devil wants to do? He wants to destroy your faith. He wants whenever you come around this altar and come and pray and you, you, listen, you've got that special need and that special burden in your heart and you're on fire and you, I listen, you just want to come and give it to God and pray and seek the Lord. Then all of a sudden, boy, the devil starts getting in there and said, he's not going to answer. He's not going to move. And you begin losing your faith here tonight. Let me just say this. There's absolutely nothing that's impossible with God. We realize that God has ability, God has the strength, that God can move and other people can't. God can do this. I wonder about just this revival. Just this revival. Do you realize it was on the man of God's heart and it was a burden on his heart because he saw the need in the church. He saw the need in the community. He realized what we needed to do and I just, want, I just wonder this, how many was enthused about revival? I promise it'll get a lot nicer tomorrow. Thank God it's a three-day, amen. Amen. But if we get through this tonight, I promise we're going to have revival, glory. Let, let me say this, I, want, I wonder this, whenever the man of God announced revival and he, he was on his heart, and he said, man, I'm burdened. This is going to bring victory to your life. I wonder how many said, well, revival. Well, here's another revival. But I wonder how many here had some zeal. They had some fire. They had some faith that God was going to do something amazing this week. 
I believe a lot of times we'll schedule a revival on the Lord and put a revival on our heart and they should have the congregation that believes that nothing's going to happen in this revival. Amen. Let me, let me just encourage you tonight. Well, what's bothering the man of God? What's bothering him? First of all, I believe because he fell flat. Maybe because he didn't have the faith. But maybe this... Maybe he was taking, he was smiting them arrows and shooting them arrows in the ground. Maybe that old flesh made him feel foolish. Amen. Maybe he looked and he began looking in his mind and said, what am I doing sitting here shooting these arrows into the ground? I'm telling you this tonight, do you realize so many times the devil put these thoughts in our mind just how foolish that we are? Amen. I, listen, I'll, I'll go and I, I, I didn't much like Facebook and I don't much like Facebook, but I realize we're in, we're in a generation everybody's got Facebook. We had to use it at the church and we, I mean, brother, we had to do Facebook Live for a little while. So I've got a Facebook back on my phone and I preach every now and then I'll get on. I don't like getting on our, on our webpage and looking at the message I preach because every time I say, man, I sure was foolish acting that way and running that way and sweating that way and screaming that way. I don't want to see that. I promise you, I'm not going to look at the replay of this church service tonight. But do you realize this is what that old flesh would do? He said, man, you look like a fool. It's foolish to get down and pray. It's foolish to praise God like that. It's foolish to live for the Lord. I'm telling you this, he might have looked and said, this is absolutely foolish what I'm doing. It's not going to bring victory. It's not going to help me. I'm going to take this. It's the most foolish thing that you can do. I quit serving God. I quit following the Lord. I quit living for God. It's the most foolish thing that you can do. Why in the world are we stopped here tonight? Do you know this? In 2 Samuel, I believe it is, you look at David whenever he come and they brought the Ark of the Covenant back. They look, man, he was dancing. I mean, he had excitement. He had some zeal. He had some life upon him. And his wife looked and said, man, what did you do revealing yourself like that? Listen, why did you do that? I'm just going to paraphrase it. She said, you looked like an absolute fool. But he didn't care because he was praising the name of God here tonight. Let me say this. Boy, it's still, it's still good to praise God. It's still good to glorify God. It's still good to rejoice. Here tonight, I believe revival does something in our heart and in our soul. It brings joy. It brings happiness. I want that here tonight. I want to feel the presence of God. And listen, it'd be all right with me if the Holy Ghost gets on me and we dance down the aisles a little bit and just take recess and shout it out for a little while because I believe tonight, boy, if you're praising God and you're glorifying God, good things will happen here tonight. Let me say this. I believe the world thinks we're foolish. I believe they go down the road, they're looking and say, man, what are they doing there on this Monday night in revival? They could be doing anything else, but they're there in the church. I believe when they drive by on Sunday mornings, they say, man, they sure are foolish. Going and, and, and going and singing to the Lord and hearing that preach word of God, they're foolish in that. And you know what? If we're not careful, we'll start believing what they say. We'll start believing what they say here tonight. I believe tonight you looked and maybe he just thought it was foolish tonight. But I promise you this, boy, you serving the Lord. You loving God, you following God with all your heart. There's nothing foolish about that. There's absolutely no better life than the life serving the Lord. Amen. 
Brother, I got saved by God's grace and it's been many years ago and God was calling me to preach and I didn't want anything to do with it. Amen. I, listen, I, I'm not good at public speaking whatsoever. I, I went to college and some of you's going to laugh right there. I didn't graduate, praise God. Just say that right there. Somebody said, listen, you understand I didn't graduate college. But I went there and I, I took, it was actually introduction to the Old Testament and I went there and, and, and they, they said, I want you to give you a presentation. I want you to get right this essay and I want you to I get up and explain about what you wrote and it says 70% the essay, 30% how you wrote it. I got up and listen, I tried my best to speak and the words wouldn't come to my mouth. I just sat there with a blank look on my face and do you know what I did? I took my paper to the teacher. I said, I'll just take a 70 and I went and sat back down because I didn't like that public speaking. But let me say this, God was calling me to preach. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want anything to do about preaching and let me say, I ran from the Lord. I got out of church and I was absolutely miserable until I accepted the call back in my life and I accepted the call to preach and I got back in the will of God and boy, it's a blessing to be in the will of God. There's nothing foolish about being in the will of God. The only foolish thing is being outside the will of God. If you're outside the will of God, I'm telling you, boy, you're living a dangerous life. Why is the man of God, what's bothered this man of God? Let me say, I believe first of all because he is flat. There was no fire. Second of all, maybe because of his faith. Third of all, he might have thought that he was foolish. But fourth of all, and this, this, this ain't going to sound real good, amen. But fourth of all, you look and was it fake? Verse number 14, you look and Elijah's fallen sick. And this verse sounds real good, Amen. About this king, it says this. Now Elijah was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and he wept over his face. And said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. I read that and I said, man, this, this king must have really loved him. I mean, he, he must have really loved him and appreciated this man of God. Then I read this and I said, well, why in the world was this man of God so mad? Why did it bother this man of God so bad? Let me say this. I believe Joash was, boy, I believe he cried real tears. I believe they was real. I believe he won a victory in his life. I believe he was afraid of losing the throne. He won a victory in his life, but yet he didn't want to change. Somebody say amen right there. I believe he realized that the man of God was a defense. And the man of God was special to the defense of Israel. He realized that this man of God was about to die. I believe he liked the kingdom that he had and he liked the crown that he had. He liked the role that he had and he wanted to hold on to that. He didn't want to lose that, but yet he didn't want to change his life. Amen. Bear with me just for a minute or two. Do you realize so many times that's what happens in a church? They want that victory they, they don't want to lose what they've got. They want that victory in their life, but yet they don't want to change the way that they're living. Amen. Do you realize whenever you preach on repentance tonight, I, I believe a lot of times we look and that word repentance ain't too popular because it, it's a change in your ways. It, it, it's you turning from that old way and doing the new way tonight. 
It's leaving that old path and going the new path tonight. Do you realize so many times we want that victory in our life, but we're unwilling to change anything about us? God convicts us. God tells us where we need to be. God shows us where we need to be, and yet we don't change whatsoever. How can we have victory tonight if we're not willing to change? Let me say this. How can we have revival tonight if we're not willing to change? How can we have revival tonight, preacher, if we're unwilling to change? We want to come in and, man, I believe everybody in here wants revival. I believe that tonight in a way that, I mean, you just want revival. Whenever I go and say, well, you've got to change a few things in your life to get in a place where you can have that revival. Because do you realize we serve a God that's not changed? The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God has not changed whatsoever. I believe the formula of revival is still the same tonight. I believe we've got to want it. We've got to seek it. Man, we've got to repent and change our ways to get that revival. We want victory in our families. Boy, it's awfully quiet in here tonight. We, we, we want victory in our kids' life. We want victory in our schools and our homes. We want victory in the churches and our personal life, and yet God's telling us what we need to do. Well, why is the man of God so burdened? I believe, listen, whenever that, whenever that king got up and he cried, it was real tears. It was real. But he was unwilling to change. He wanted the benefits of what that man of God had to offer, but he didn't want to change anything about it. Let me say this, tonight's our opportunity to have revival. I realize this wasn't the friendliest message you've ever heard. I realize probably a lot of you debating whether you want to come back tomorrow night or not. Amen. But I want to encourage you tonight, boy, you can have revival in our hearts and in this church if we're willing to make the change. Amen. If we're willing to repent. and real, let, let me t- It's real easy to point our finger somewhere else. And say we're not having revival because so and so in the back row, so and so this person ain't. We'd had revival if it had been it. No, that's not how it works. Amen. You have revival when you're here tonight. The person. Listen, we we can blame whoever we want to. The reason why we don't have revival. What if we blamed ourselves? What if we blamed ourselves tonight? God wants to do. I know He wants to do something amazing in this revival. He wants to do something amazing in your life. He wants to bring victory in your life tonight. I believe he's pointed towards you and, and you understand tonight there's some things in your life that you need to repent of right here and right now. I believe tonight God wants us to have that revival. There he said, why did you stop? Why did you stop? What's, what's bothering the man of God? Let me say this. I'm glad there was a man of God. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 7, I fought a good fight. I finished my course and I've kept the faith. This man of God Boy, he, he, he followed, he didn't stop, he didn't quit tonight. And a lot of us, we don't have revival because we slow down on serving the Lord. Yeah. Let me just encourage you tonight. Boy, it's time that we get revival. Yes, sir. It's time for revival in this church. It's time for me to have revival. I, I, I'm just going to say me personally in my life. I, listen, if you don't get revived whatsoever this way, I, I, listen, it's going to be your own fault because I promise God's going to send revival Amen. tonight if you want it. If you want it tonight, I want, I want revival. I want God to do something amazing in my life. 
I, I mean, I want to feel the presence and the power of God. I, I, I just want to, I mean, I just want God to do something absolutely amazing in my life. This church, in our community, our church. Let me just say this. I'm closing right now. Miss Emma, is it all right if I get my daughter to play tonight? She Anywhere we go, she plays for me. I appreciate her tonight. And I, I was thinking about this. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 21. And it said, And it came to pass as they were burying a man, that behold, they spied a band of men. And they cast the man in the sepulcher of Elijah. And when the man was let down, he touched the bones of Elijah. And he revived and stood up on his feet. I was thinking about, I was thinking about that. And there, there this, it, it don't go into a lot of detail in this scripture who this was. It, it don't give a lot of, I wish it gave a lot of detail after this. I mean, what a blessing that would be. It didn't give a lot, lot, lot of information what transpired, but it said this, that they was burying a man and they saw a band of men coming and they, they, they took this dead man and they put him in the sepulcher. Just, I believe they just, I mean, laid him in there. They was in a hurry and it touched Elijah's bones. Yeah. And it said this preacher that this man of God was, that this man that was in there was revived and he stood up to his feet. Let, let, let me say this, boy, what a blessing it is tonight. I, I believe it's still the old past. I believe it's still the old ways. I believe it's still the old men of God getting up and preaching the word of God. Boy, just letting you know, listen, they had revival back in the day. There, it's already been said and it's been testified. I listen back in the day that how people would come. I listen, revival was advertised and the church would be packed. And, I mean, chairs would be set out. Let me see, it's still that way tonight. He touched the old man of God and the Bible says he was revived and stood up. Boy, the importance of that man of God. The importance. I want revival in my heart tonight. There God did something amazing in Elijah's bones. I mean, I mean, just something amazing in Elijah's bones. But I believe a lot of us, that brother, were dead spiritually tonight. A lot of us were burdened spiritually tonight. A lot of us were hurting spiritually tonight. But God can revive and God can help us to stand up and restore us and revive this old spirit once again. That man was revived simply because he touched the man of God's bones. Let me say this, what, 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 what an amazing man of God. How can we have revival tonight? I want that old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival. But let me say this, I believe whenever they, listen, I, I believe whenever he touched that, that man somehow Joe asked her about this man. I, I believe that with everything that's in me. I believe they said, did you hear about this man? They threw hair. I mean, that sepulcher of Elijah, it touched Elijah's bones and he was revived and he stood up. I believe tonight, Joe has heard that it did something. It reminded him he could have had complete victory in his life if he would have just been enthused and listened to that man of God. Let me encourage you tonight. God's wanting to do something awesome in your life. Do something amazing in your life here tonight. Here tonight. I'm telling you, church, we can have the start of revival. We can have the start of revival tonight, but I, I want to beg you, and I want to plead you tonight. It's, it's not going to come. Preachers done said it. I don't have it in my pocket. I can't go and give it to you tonight. I believe a lot of you look and say, Preacher, surely the goodness of all the messages you could have preached, surely you couldn't have picked a better one than that. I promise you I couldn't have because that's the message God had placed on my heart. And if we want revival tonight, listen, we, we've got to come and understand that the man of God has done something. It's been a burden on his heart. He's been bothered tonight. He knows the need of revival. And it's time that you, I listen, that you understand it's going to be a personal decision here tonight, right now, if you want revival. 
It's personal. I want revival tonight. I want it so bad. I need it so bad. Let me encourage you tonight. But what's wrong with the man of God? Why is he bothered? What's bothering him tonight? Because he sees the need. He sees the enemy. And he understands, boy, that it's a real, it's a real easy way to get victory in your life. Real easy way to have victory in your life. Boy, if you just get in the will of God and you just seek the Lord and you just love God and you, man, you just come and just, but just, just, I mean, personal tonight. Personal tonight. So many times we pray for revival in the church. I want to ask you this. I, I, I want you to pray just a little bit different here tonight. Man, if God might get mad at me, amen. I believe you prayed for revival in the church and I believe that's a good prayer. We're supposed to pray for revival in the church. I want to ask you this. How many of us would pray for revival for ourselves? How many of us would come and say, God, I realize there's a change that's got to take place in my life. I realize, boy, there's a fire that's got to be lit. I realize I've got to have the faith. God, would you just revive me personally tonight? I believe we could see revival, see a revival truly take place if we'd have that in our hearts. As we stand tonight, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. You be honest in your heart tonight. You be honest. I want you to ask, ask yourself personally tonight. Do I need revival? I need revival.